The 24th chapter of Luke, which we looked at both last Sunday morning in our worship service and then in the evening community service, we come to this part where he's talking to his disciples and we, we see how he is working through getting ready to, for this. In, when he showed to the women, it was basically an empty tomb. Angels. The road to Emmaus, two guys and Jesus walking along and then they go and tell people. And here is Jesus now. He had spoken to the two and now he comes to this group that is, in Luke's case, relatively undefined. But yet, all of a sudden, Jesus comes and says, peace to you. One of the things we see in this passage is how important it is for the word of Jesus, the words of Jesus, for people to understand it. Because, see, when he says, I'm here, they still don't get it. Because they have, as the text says, troubled hearts and doubts. Now you and I in our daily lives and our times with other people will encounter people who will have doubts about Jesus, who will doubt in their heart. And he shows them his hands and his feet, and of course that is to show the scars. We have no idea what the three-day scars from the nails that the Romans drove through his hands and his feet would have shown. But there was still this disbelief, this marveling, what do we do? And so the way he gets ready to talk, he says, well, give me something to eat. And he gives him fish. Now we know there's another time when Jesus prepared fish for his disciples. And fish has had an interesting history in the church you know, for a long time in the medieval church, you know, you only ate fish on, on Friday. And of course, most of you probably know the story of uh, Henry VIII, who recreated the church in his own image in many ways. And he decided that he would have, in his church, Friday fish and Wednesday fish. But he did it, we know, for political reasons, because he wanted to increase the fishing industry in his kingdom so he could then create the Royal Navy. And so he used an extra religious holiday to create the need for more fish for political reasons. But I've often wondered why, you know, why don't Christians do that? But then I heard about a church around here who gets together on the water, down by the water for an open-air service, and instead of... Um, bacon rolls, they, they serve fish that they've cooked over a fire as part of their breakfast on Easter. And I thought, that's, that's pretty clever, that's pretty good. But Jesus does all this to, to teach them, but yet he is also reminding them of what he has already said. When you look at verse 44 again, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. You remember when he met with the men from a, um, 
on the road to Emmaus, he went through Moses and the prophets. Evidently, this was his habit, his pattern of teaching. Now, I think that when you hear those words and you see what Peter does in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, what does he do? Joel and the Psalms. He brings together the prophets and the Psalms to talk about Christ. Because that's the way Jesus had talked about himself. All of these scripture lessons. And then in verse 45, when it says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, we recognize they needed grace, we need grace to understand the word of God. When we are doing evangelism, when we are explaining the gospel to people in our prayers that we are offering up to God, we need to ask them to open up their minds to scriptures because that's what Jesus did for his disciples. You see, God gives us written words that we can have and we can read and we can understand in our minds. It's interesting to me that Luke would be the one who, both on the road to Emmaus and here in this room with these disciples, would emphasize the use of Scripture by Jesus in getting his disciples ready for them to leave. And he said to them, as he sums up his teaching, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance from the forgive, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is the sixth time, six times, that Jesus has come back to these two events, his death and his resurrection. Remember how he three times before he got to Jerusalem, then now three times in Jerusalem, he talks about his death and his resurrection. That is so much a part of who he is and what he wants us to tell other people about, that he came to die and to be raised. And the New Testament, the Old Testament, all open up to say why that had to happen. That the Christ would have to suffer and then on the third day be raised from the dead. When you read verse 47, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you think about where Luke will go early in chapter 2 of Acts, kind of the second volume, if you will. Acts 2 says, and Peter said to them, to this crowd, after he's preached this sermon from Joel and from the Psalms, imitating Christ, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see how what, what Peter is saying is patterned on what Christ said about repent and forgiveness, about receiving the Holy Spirit? 
And see, this is not something that was just early on in, in Acts 10. It says to him, all the prophets bear witness, meaning Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. See, we need to remember and to reflect on Scripture and on the progress of the church that forgiveness was part of the basic message that they would give to people, but it was forgiveness through his name. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, repentance is not a word that we use that often. I mean, it is used occasionally, but it's not used that often. And I, I think that the Westminster Catechisms are very helpful. And it's interesting to me how, in the way they formulate the question, is so pastoral and so gracious. Because both in the larger and the shorter catechism, it's the same question. What is repentance unto life? Both of them start off, repentance unto life is a saving grace. In other words, the only reason I'm repenting is because God in his grace has worked in my life. The shorter catechism goes, whereby a sinner, me, out of a true sense of his sin, my sin, an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. In other words, it's because I see the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it to God with full purpose and endeavor after new obedience. It is that turning, a turning away from sin, because all sin is some form of idolatry, all sin is against God behind the sin, even if we sin against our brothers and sisters, we're still sinning against God. The larger catechism, because it explains things more, says that repentance unto life is a saving grace worked in the heart of a sinner by the Spirit and the Word of God. Do you understand that? How that repentance is a combination of the work of the Spirit through the Word of God? That God uses His Word explained and opening up our mind by the Spirit to know what is sin and that I need to repent. Because we need to remember that all sin is first and foremost against God. We need to remember that. We need to know that, that, that when we think about forgiveness, that first we need forgiveness from God before we need forgiveness from our neighbor. But this message of forgiveness through repentance, forgiveness for sins... And you see, that, that's just a very important thing, not, not just, just to let that little word slip by. Because we're dealing with something serious, something that began in the garden, and God began to deal with it. So that our sins can be forgiven. But that this message should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. 
by now you know where I'm going to go with that, all the nations, we're going to go back to Genesis 12. It's part of God's promise, part of his blessing, that we are blessed when we are forgiven because of Christ. And it's for all the nations. See, that's one of the things that we need to keep in front of us, in our hearts, in our minds, and in all that we do, that what we experience as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as witnesses to Jesus Christ, is for all the nations. It's not just for my family. It's not just for my neighborhood or my nation. It's for all of them. And that's what God has said from the beginning in Genesis 12. Beginning in Jerusalem. And so I think that's why you have this sermon structured, this event structured at Pentecost. Because of what he says here. Passover, wait a while, another feast when everybody has to come. They're there from all the nations. And Peter stands up and begins to preach. And we'll look at that later on in a sermon series. But it begins in Jerusalem, and it begins after they are clothed from on high. We're going to look at that in a few minutes. But the first thing he says is, you are witnesses of these things. What we have in scripture is the eyewitness accounts. Luke is somebody who he tells us from the beginning, says, I went around and I talked to people who were there at certain times. See, Jesus had said to his disciples early on in his ministry in Matthew 9, verse 6, but that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. His ability to heal was to demonstrate that he had the authority to forgive sins. And that's very important. Because sins are only forgiven against God through Jesus Christ. And that's why he says in verse 49, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. We live after Pentecost. We live after he has clothed his church on high. We live when we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that our minds are opened up and we can hear the very words of God. And know that he's true. You see, when I selected Jeremiah 3, that, those verses out of Jeremiah 3, and I was thinking about you know, David's famous confession in, in Psalm 51, I have sinned and sinned only against you. See, God again and again is calling us to return. That's why he sends out this message about repentance and forgiveness of sins that is being proclaimed in his name. I read to you, I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever, only acknowledge your guilt that you have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithful Israel, declares the Lord, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. 
See, God is someone who in the garden went and said, where are you? And to us, he says, return, repent, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart. But that assurance of pardon that I read from Jeremiah 31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And then at the end, I will be their God and they shall be my people and I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This part of God's everlasting love that he calls us to repent when we sin, he calls us to come back. I will be their God. How precious is that statement? How precious is that knowledge to you? You see, in the the Lord's Prayer, which the confession says is a pattern for us as well as a prayer that can be used in worship, but it is a pattern, and part of that is Forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins. In your own personal daily prayers, we need to be confessing our sins, knowing he's going to forgive us, and knowing scripture that it will assure us that we are forgiven. But to be able to pray and look at our lives and say, God, how do I need to confess my sins? Where have I left you out? Where have I gone away from you? knowing that it will be remembered no more. How many times do we need to have our memories cleansed so that, like God, we will not remember our sins because they have been forgiven forever? See, one of the things about repentance is that it goes deeper into our hearts than confession. Confession is part of repentance. Confession is when I name my sins, when I acknowledge my sins. Repentance, remember I read the catechism definition, that simple definition? It's turning from my sins and turning to Christ. It's turning away from my sin, not just naming them, but turning away from them to turn to Christ. It's that deeper heart thing. It's understanding what some call the sin behind the sin. See, so often in the Lord's Prayer, we say, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, you know, sinned against us. And we don't stop where we need to sometimes in our own prayer life to confess our sins on a daily basis. But repentance goes deeper into our hearts and we need to have, as Jesus did, we need to have the Holy Spirit open our minds, the minds of Scripture. Remember what the larger catechism said, the Spirit and the Word. That is where repentance comes from, in our hearts, deep in our hearts, to turn away. Turn away and turn to the adopted Father because we have acted like orphans in disobedience. Now, is I wrap up this sermon. I want to say to you that every Sunday we follow the pattern 
of Jesus of repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name. Think about that. This doubting, disbelieving group of disciples that Jesus wants desperately to help them to understand. So he opens up their mind, gives them scripture. But the core thing is, after the death and resurrection, is that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in my name to all nations. When we confess our sins and receive his assurance of God that our sins are forgiven, that pattern of Jesus is there and we are witnesses to the world every Sunday that we do that together. So part of it in following Jesus and following the pattern of Jesus of repentance for the forgiveness of sin that will be proclaimed in his name to all nations, you are my witnesses is that when we say those words, when we pray the prayer, when we stand here together, when we sing the songs, we are proclaiming his name to all nations. I think that is one of the reasons why churches are soft targets and are places where people who hate the message of Jesus Christ and hate Jesus, that's why they attack it. But it's in his name to all nations. We can't look at a nation and say, oh, you don't deserve the gospel. You don't deserve to be forgiven. We can't do that. We have to hear the words of Jesus and follow the patterns of Jesus. Now, when I, literally last fall, put this passage here for this Sunday and the way it developed I did not realize that starting next Sunday that this is the end of the first year that we have used for a whole year confession of sin and assurance of pardon that we have followed the pattern of Jesus That was one of the things as a pastor that maybe I did it clumsily, whatever, but I did it because I felt like it was right and we needed to it. And I look at this passage and I say, yes, we need to publicly confess our sins. We need to publicly be assured of our forgiveness because that is the pattern of Jesus. When you come and participate in a worship service at Grace Community Church, you are following one of the patterns of Jesus every week. You are being what he says, I want a witness. We are a witness to the nations that sins can be forgiven. Now, I realize that in, in the world and all the things that are going on, there was a, a story today about you know, children and obesity and depression and different things. And I, I think about that song. Jesus loves me, this I know. How much of the message of the gospel does every generation need? Those children that are anxious and lonely, they need to know that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And all those other words that we sang. And it's for the nations. I have a Peruvian 
friend of mine in the PCA that I have met who is a, what we call an Hispanic church planter. He's planting a church for people who speak Spanish in, of all places, Greenville, South Carolina. And he wrote me a little note. He says, hey, I want to tell you about a connection. Scottish missionaries came and planted the church in the 1800s where my family comes from. See, it's for the nations. We never know in today's world how what we do will affect the nations. We know that people from other languages, other places can come and worship with us, come live in our communities, come be our neighbors. But that message of forgiveness, that idea of turning towards the mercy of God. But see, when I read this, when I kept praying and thinking about this message this week, this is what Jesus wants done. And in some ways, it's so simple. That one of the ways, yes, it's in our own private prayer life. One of the ways, yes, it's in our evangelism. But you need to know that every week we come together and worship, we're following the pattern of Jesus. Repentance for the forgiveness of sin proclaimed in his name. Let us pray.